the kingdom belongs to his sheep and your life is in the hands of a God who never sleeps fear not little lamb for the kingdom belongs to his sheep and your life is in the hands of a God who Welcome back to Tending Lambs. I'm Katie. And I'm Abby. And today we are talking about gentle parenting yourself. We're going to talk about um, uncovering your triggers and where they come from, speaking truth to lies, um, extending the patience that you are trying to extend to your kids, to yourself, and a lot of other things. So hopefully this is helpful. It was really helpful for me in going through the outline and thinking through exactly what I want to get across. So hopefully that comes through in the episode. But first, we have a very exciting announcement to make. Um, We have finally started a Patreon. So if you're not familiar with what a Patreon is, it is basically a way that you are able to sign up and become a supporter of Tending Lambs, really for as little as 2 or $3 a month, um, if that's what you want to give. Um, but what's really cool about it is that any contributions that are made um, through our Patreon account will go directly towards the costs associated with podcasting and web hosting and um, keeping our Tending Lambs community up and running, which um, we're currently funding ourselves. So um, as a patron, you'll also have access to exclusive content that we're going to put out for you guys. Early podcast releases, live Q&As, we have all kinds of fun stuff up our sleeves for that. So anyway, we just wanted to throw that out there. You can go to patreon.com slash Tending Lambs and that's where you can sign up to become one of our supporters. Yeah, I am super excited to get going with the plans that we have uh, for the Patreon supporters. Um, One of my favorite things that I'm really excited about is the merch that we're going to start making. I just cannot get, uh, you know, wait until we get started with that, uh, you know, and all the other things that we have planned. So yeah, we would really love it if you uh, chose to support us this way. And just as a little sneak peek, uh, the patrons right now, if you sign up like immediately, you get access to the full version of the intro music that we have, which was written by a friend of Katie's and um, performed by my husband actually so that's kind of cool we love that song in our house and I actually sing it to my daughter a lot because I just really love it so it's a good song yeah so Abby when you were reading through the outline what stood out to you well you know I love this concept because I think truly you really can't gentle parent your kids unless you gentle parent yourself Um, like it's just such a holistic approach to having and being a family. Um, so I'm just excited about this one because this is also something, you know, as I've been 
you know, healing from my own childhood. And, and I say that I think everyone has to heal from their childhood in some way or another, you know, like we all right. have damage to recover from. But just as I've been doing that for myself, I've seen how much, you know, treating myself with patience and kindness and working through my triggers and, you know, trying to display the characteristics that I want Evelyn to grow up to become. Yeah, just doing that has made me parent, be a better parent too. That actually brings me, brings us to our first point here under under uh, uncovering your origins of current triggers. What you were just talking about makes me think of just how I've been learning how to not just white knuckle my way through pain and upset or the big emotions and not just shut down or whatever else, whatever other unhealthy coping mechanism I usually use. Yeah. <laughs> how not to do that, but it's just not possible to yeah. do that. And I think that's what we try and do most of most often. Like when we're really triggered and we know, oh, my response should be X, Y, or Z. I should be calm. I should be kind. I should be patient. You know, we all know what we should be, but what it ends up feeling like is that we're just white knuckling it. We're just holding our fists real tight. Our jaws are clenched and we're just trying really hard not to explode. And that, that is so unsustainable. And the only way that you can not do that that you can that this can be a sustainable lifestyle for you and your family is if you are evaluating doing a lot of self-evaluation and yeah. healing and really allowing yourself to heal and to feel what you're feeling yeah i think it's such a timely thing to bring that up because and i think we're going to do an episode on this in the future but Obviously, you know, a lot, all of us know the human response in the midst of triggers basically is to fight, flight, or freeze. Um, right. And I, I think we're going to, we've had it on the docket to do a whole episode on that sometime in the future. It, what's interesting to me about this is I've actually just recently, like I'd say within the last couple months, learned that exact thing that you're talking about, like releasing myself to realize that I'm not going to respond appropriately when I feel triggered and actually yeah. that it's okay to remove myself from the situation um, mm -hmm. and take a breather until I can kind of get my lizard brain back on line <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, or yeah. back offline, I guess I should say. But <laughs> um, yeah, that, that is such a freeing thought to me. And it's really just been in the last couple months that I've like allowed myself to do that to yeah. not just like fight through the moment and be like, I have to like handle this perfectly. It's like, you can't like, right. you have to work through that trigger sometimes alone, even just for four minutes. And a lot of the kind of back online exercises that we have talked about on previous episodes, I've actually been doing with myself, like deep breathing Great. into your upper and lower brain, like right. counting, actually like counting by twos or fours, like for some reason, I like, if I can just take a minute to myself and be like, two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, you know, like it just, nice. it works. And it's cool because we use these things for children, but yeah, it, it really works for everyone. It's, it's yeah. neat. So yeah, I think working through triggers, 
And you know what I've noticed through that process, and then I'll stop ranting about this, is like <laughs> the longer I've, like the more I've removed myself from situations like that, the quicker, like I've noticed in the last couple months, I've been able to come back and address what needs to be addressed more quickly. So maybe yeah. the first time it took me like 30 minutes to really like sit down and like breathe and kind of like get all those tantrumy feelings out of myself. Right. And maybe now I'm down to like five or 10 minutes. Like I just need a five or 10 minute break. That's um, great. Yeah. I th- so I think that's kind of a really cool, maybe anecdotal, but it's worked for me really well. Yeah. One of the things that I've been practicing lately um, since I had that conversation with my, um, with my, I guess you could call her a counselor. She's more like a mentor. She has been for years. Um, And we talk every, you know, every so often. She's a a really great help to me. But one of the things that I've been practicing since she and I talked and she kind of encouraged me to do this was to write, just get everything out three pages a day or as much as you can of three pages a day and to be really mindful during the day of how I'm feeling. And one of the ways that that translates is allowing myself to cry when I feel like crying. Yeah. I honestly did not realize how often I was stopping myself from crying. Mm. And I've been crying a lot more lately, actually. And, you know, it's funny. In high school, I was like really you know, what my family would have called over dramatic. And I was the real like expressive and emotional, emotive one. And the past few years, and particularly since my dad died in 2013, I've kind of felt like, I don't want to sound melodramatic, but almost like a shell of myself. Like the best parts of my dramatic self have gone away and I, it's like I'm I've been completely disconnected from how I'm feeling and it has resulted in a lot of really not good seasons and um what's interesting though is that I'm realizing how uh you know the things that I tell myself about Calvin are good things. Like it's good for him to express how he's feeling. It's good for him to cry. It's good for him to be upset um, when he needs to be or when he is uh, that I have not been extending that to myself. Yeah. And how important it is like when you're in those moments of like really intense emotion to bring compassion to yourself, the same compassion that you would bring to your kids and to say, I feel like crap today and I am overwhelmed by the dishes in my sink and I just want to cry and being like you know what I can this is an overwhelming time in my life and that has been really freeing for me yeah yeah that's really cool um I love um one thing that you know we've discussed before and I think fits in so well with this is that when we ignore our own issues, like you kind of have talked about, you feel like you've done since your dad died, you feel like kind of the shell. And I think that really speaks to just kind of ignoring you're trying to not cry and things like that. Um, I think we're more inclined to ignore the issues of others or be harder on others. Um, I've noticed that with myself sometimes, even with my husband, I can, when I'm feeling bottled up or like I just need to 
pull myself up by my bootstraps. I expect that from other people too. Like, well, if I can make it through this, you know, like, what do you have to whine about kind of thing? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, the inverse of that is true as well. I think when we can be compassionate and patient with ourselves and realize like, I'm really going through this right now, or I'm really having a rough day and, and I just need to allow myself to feel this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it does become easier to allow that and be, be more comfortable in, in it with other people too. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I've been trying to, um, it's so hard. <laughs> I've been really trying to uh, practice that in the moment with Cornet and when he's upset. So um, just, I guess, say a little personal here. When I'm upset, I tend to go inward and I kind of shut down a little bit and he gets much more expressive uh, and he can be a bit hotter than I can, let's put it that way. And um, when he's feeling hurt, his feelings are hurt or he's afraid or stressed out for whatever reason, um, it's difficult, but I've it's really helped recently uh, for me to be super conscious in those moments and not let myself get really offended and defensive mm-hmm. and to say, to tell myself he's scared or mm-hmm. he's uh, very stressed out. We're both really stressed out right now uh, or, you know, any number of things. And my response to him is all, is can be so much more patient yeah. and so much more understanding. And immediately we're back on the same team. Yeah, he's not fighting me as well as uh, the stress of the situation, and that really, you know, it it really helps him to know that I hear him. It's interesting because we actually have like the opposite dynamic in our marriage, where I'm kind of the hothead, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I actually um, worked for and ran a like t- was the office manager of a network of counseling centers in the county that I live in for several years and, you know, got to work with a whole team of therapists of different sorts, which was really cool. And maybe Mm. one of the most valuable things I learned just from like sitting in the staff meetings and, and getting to know them and talking to them is that anger is what's called a secondary emotion. And what that means is there's like a primary or root emotion underneath anger. Um, and that anger is how that emotion expresses itself. Um, and that has been so helpful for me because I don't do it perfectly because obviously when I'm feeling angry, I'm more in that like primal brain, but especially when I'm reflecting on times that I've been angry to think like, what was I actually feeling in that moment? Was I afraid? Was I lonely? Was I, what was the primary cause of that anger? Yeah, that's hard. And finding helping myself find healthier ways to express it. Um, yeah. yeah, that's, that's been, that's been like life changing to me. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I bet. And you know what that it brings us to our second point, actually, at least in my mind and all connected <laughs> is that the only way you can speak truth to lies that you might be believing is if you slow down and listen. You know, if you slow down and you have compassion on yourself and, and I don't mean this like speaking truth to these lies. I don't mean that you just try and convince yourself that you shouldn't be upset. Yeah. You know, I don't mean just being like, okay, well, I, you know, it's not that big of a deal. This is going to blow over and blah, 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 blah. And trying to convince yourself 
through, you know, the truth. That's not what I mean. Um, what I mean is like you're talking about with your anger and getting so, uh, you know, maybe explosive when you're feeling triggered, um, that if you are mindful in those moments enough to have compassion with yourself that you can slow down and, and tell yourself, I'm afraid. Why am I afraid? I'm afraid of X, Y, and Z, but actually I'm safe right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay. I'm with the husband that loves me and we're on the same team. You know, those types of truths can only get in when you have compassion on yourself in the moments that you're so afraid. Right. Yeah. You know that the other thing about that is, you know, you can't speak truth to lies if you don't know what the truth is. And so Mm -hmm. I think that kind of speaks to the importance of, of knowing the truth, which is the word that God has left for us um, Mm -hmm. in the Bible and the scriptures. And Paul Jordan, one of our bloggers wrote a really fantastic post on Um, being in the scriptures as a parent. So I'll make sure we put that in the show notes. Mm. But yeah, just like that can't be understated. And I, you know, I think we all know that. Right. (laughs) Like, you know, there's always like 10 minutes to a like better Bible reading plan or whatever. (laughs) Like it's not, you know, it's not for lack of resources. But yeah, kind of connecting scriptures and like being in the truth yeah. The healing of my own mental health is actually like really cool to me. I think that's what a better source of like healing and reminding myself of what the truth is. Um, yeah. And so it's not just a matter of like being a faithful Christian, which is important and we're commanded to do that. So that's, you know, great. But we also do gain nourishment from that for our own um for our own lives and and for knowing the truth. Yeah. So, yeah, I was, um, I don't even remember which Psalm it was, but I was reading through and it was, uh, one of the ones talking about how, um, you know, you, how blessed is the man that so-and-so and so-and-so. And, uh, I was thinking, man, I am none of those things. And thinking, but like how in that moment I was like really, really comforted and just hit in the forehead by how awesome it is that I know the one that is all of those things. You know, those times when you're reading the scripture and sometimes it just like kind of, oh yeah, I know this. I know the gospel. I know that Jesus died for me. I know that I'm not perfect and I'm not, a, you know, and I'm a sinner and he did it for me. And blah. But then those times that like really get you. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> that's so cool. You know, you can't, I mean, you can have those moments, but those moments happen so much more frequently when you are going to the word and you are bathing yourself in it and actually wanting to be comforted by his word. Yeah, You know, you can't have those moments of truth if you aren't taking in the truth. Another thing that is really important to remembering and hearing the truth is just getting rid of the liars in your life as much as you can. Um, You know, 
I don't mean just cutting out everyone that you know has a wrong view of something or that what you think is a wrong view of something, but uh, I can recognize from my own from different seasons in my own life when I was intentionally listening to people that would tickle my ears mm-hmm. and people would that would tell me you know just yes people that would just oh yes girl you should go out with him and oh you know he's not so good for you but girl have fun like you know these types of things and of course you know we're most of the people that are listening are married so it's not that kind of advice but those types of people mm-hmm. that are just gonna feed you what kind of feels good or they're not going to um, encourage you with the truth, the hard truths sometimes, you know, that's, and that's really hard for me too. Um, in wanting to be a truth teller myself, you know, it's, it's challenging to be as truthful as I know I should be with close friends because it's, it's hard. Yeah. And on the opposite end of that spectrum, I'd say people who are just constantly critical of you too. Yeah. Um, You know, that's kind of the other end of like people who are lying to you and just tearing you down all the time. Mm. The other thing I thought of when I read this, when we were, you know, doing that outline for this episode is sometimes liars aren't even like people, but it's things that encourage us to tell ourselves lies. Yeah. Um, And for me, a lot of times that's social media. And so, yeah, like you've been around several times where I'm like, I just need to deactivate my Facebook for like four or five days and take a breather because I'm hearing it from all sides right now kind of thing. Um, So it's not necessarily, you know, social media is kind of neutral. It's not like it's like a liar, but it's something that feeds lies in your own heart and spirit. So another thing that's really important in gentle parenting yourself that really flows from, you know, getting rid of toxic um, influences is uh, discovering areas in yourself that are vulnerable to manipulation and boundary building. One of the problems with being totally unaware of your triggers, so going back to one of our first points and like, you know, uncovering the, the reasons for triggers and stuff, um is that it's easier for a person to abuse those sensitive places even for people who are usually very in control and less um manipulatable can still be manipulated when someone finds out their triggers when someone kind of finds their buttons and you can say like ah this person doesn't want to be seen as xyz or this person is really sensitive about this i'm going to push that button um first of all those people are toxic try and avoid them (laughs) but you know um avoiding people everyone that has that tendency is not always possible and so it's really important to kind of figure out where in particular not only why you're being triggered but like where they are yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. One of my favorite things about gentle parenting yourself is learning to let go of things that don't serve you or your family well. Um, and what we mean by that is not holding ourselves to unreasonable or extra biblical standards. 
um, that are just unnecessary and that we inadvertently a lot of times pass on to our kids. So the first thing that came to my mind on this personally was co-sleeping. We, I was going to be the perfect co-sleeping mom. We were going to get sleep all night long. It was going to be great. We were going to bed share. And five weeks after I had my daughter, I was so sleep deprived. I was holding on to this expectation of myself that just so obviously was not working for mm-hmm. either one of us. Um, and I just, I just had to let it go so that we could get some sleep. And we did start getting sleep <laughs> once I let go yeah. of that. And, it, you know, that's just something that I was holding myself to and holding my little five-week-old daughter to that was just unrealistic and unnecessary for our family. Mm-hmm. So letting go of that just created so much more physical health, you know, because we were getting sleep. We were a little bit more well-rested, as well-rested as you can be with a one-month-old. Yeah. I think for me, um, it often comes in like smaller things throughout my day or different kinds of examples throughout life. Like um, one of the things my mom told me when I was a teenager and it kind of was really freeing in the moment. It is actually just, I'm going to get to what it is, but it has just now started really permeating my life. And it it was, uh, Katie, you are not obligated to like everyone. Mm-hmm. And everyone is not obligated to like you. You don't have to be rude, of course, but that was such a revelation to me. And and realizing that um, there are so many things, not just people, but so many things throughout our day that we feel like we have to do, um, certain ways we have to dress or certain people we have to entertain or certain books we have to read or I have to finish this whole book or, you know, any number of things that like you're not obligated to do any of those things, you know, and I'm not obligated to like all of the people and to spend equal amounts of people, uh, 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 equal amounts of time with people that I know that might want my time. Um, And I think that is one of those ways that I'm now kind of learning to let go of the things that not only don't serve, but really hinder a lot of the goal, the other goals that I really do have. You know, like if I am trying to be more focused in keeping my house in order, but I'm giving my time to trying to finish a book that I don't even enjoy, or I have a goal of, you know, spending more intentional time with Cornet. Um, but I have invited someone over for coffee, you know, and they're taking up too much of my time. Like I can say, you know, I really need to go to bed or I can just not invite someone over. You know, I don't, have there's so many little things in my life that I feel have this weird obligation feeling of obligation toward that is actually completely not true does that make sense yeah that makes perfect sense to me I think I think especially because I tend to be a more like non-confrontational person too um I tend to have a hard time saying no or feeling obligated um to things that 
I haven't even said yes to, you know? So yeah, that makes perfect right. sense to me. Right. Oh, another thing to think about letting go of are boundaries that may not actually be important. And I would, I have this perfect example because these types of things are often really small. Tonight when I was giving Calvin a bath before bedtime, he was splashing and we have fun and I'm sitting there, you know, uh, getting totally soaking wet, but he's having a good time in the bath and he's splashing and there's no way that I can get him to stop splashing. But I know a lot of parents do to have this like, ah, water stays in the bathtub kind of expectation. And it's like, you know, is this boundary, is this thing, this rule that I've set up here reasonable realistic and is it actually important and necessary does it actually serve to cause a problem over this thing when you know i don't know it's probably not so important actually yeah we recently had the same experience with um using the high chair um evie's kind of at that age where she could use it she could not, you know. Right. <laughs> We're kind of like, no, she, like she's a baby. She's a toddler. She needs to sit in her high chair. And I kind of started doing the same thing. Like, why? She's so unhappy in it. She obviously does not want to do, like, does not want to sit in it. Yeah. She actually does really, really well just standing on a dining room chair at the table, you know, like <laughs> she doesn't try to like leap off head first. Yeah. And she's just generally happier standing up on a dining room table. So why am I holding on to this high chair thing? You know, yeah. is it that important? Yeah. Yeah. So this next point actually really follows um, a lot of what we've already said. And that's just learning to extend patience to yourself. Um, that it hel- That helps you extend the patience to other people. Learning how to, yeah, let yourself have moments and and actually be in them uh yeah makes it possible for you to do that for other people yeah so i think a good point to um end this on is about (laughs) i put it in the outline is learning the language of boundaries and Mm self-control and what i mean by that is that when you are raised without healthy communication and with just parents that responded out of triggers and didn't do their own self-evaluation and, you know, maybe did a little bit, but not a lot. And, you know, there's maybe a lot of inconsistency. It's a whole new language almost that you have to learn how to, how to do, uh, how to speak. You know, when I'm, when I was learning Dutch and even still uh, sometimes you do this thing where, you think in English and translate it in your head mm-hmm. in the, the other language. And eventually it starts becoming second nature and you don't have to do that anymore. But um, there is a long period that um, when it comes to boundaries and self-control and being mindful that it feels like you're having to stop and tell yourself mm this this and this and how and interpret what you're thinking and putting it in a new light and it feels really really heavy and that is in my mind to be expected 
and it kind of sucks, <laughs> but uh, it's really, really necessary. Yeah, that's that's real a really good comparison. When you're first learning a language, you have to like do all the translation work yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. One thing I my sister actually just sent me something about my older sister just sent me something about this the other day about how um, a lot of times over explaining yourself can be a trauma response to being mm. gaslit like being gaslighted as a child. And um, I think that's something I really struggle with is like over explaining where sometimes like we were talking about the language of boundaries. Sometimes now is not going to work for me or that does not work for me or I can't do that is enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And not always having to have like a full excuse or explanation or reason for everything yeah. Especially with, you know, with people in your life that you do need firm boundaries with. Yeah. Um, so that's just like really helpful for me to remember is that I don't have to like over explain myself about everything. And yeah, I that that I'm so sense. sorry. I, you know, X, Y, Z or whatever. It's like, just, you know, graciously that doesn't work for me or right. you know, I'm sorry, I can't uphold that or whatever. So. Yeah. Well, one of the things that kind of in my mind furthers the um this comparison is that this kind of thing feels really unnatural to a lot of us to Mm -hmm. most of us and it feels really clunky and it feels difficult it feels difficult to remember it feels difficult to do it feels like kind of silly sometimes like it feels a little bit especially if you're trying to learn how to let yourself cry it can feel really <laughs> like oh no this is so awkward and i sound funny this is you know but that's kind of the deal with learning a new language you know you're you're exploring a way of communicating that is foreign to yourself and the sounds that you make are going to sound a little odd to your ear. You know, <laughs> that's that's how it feels. And things like, you know, over-explaining, it comes from a place of having to over-explain to someone else for them to, you know, likely not, but for them to take you seriously and to find your point legitimate. Um, and that feels completely natural to you. And it feels very unnatural and awkward and very uncomfortable to say, well, sorry, that's just not going to work this time. And to not feel like you have to give this big explanation, you know? Right. And that sometimes the reason it doesn't work that time isn't because you are committed to something else or whatever. Right. Sometimes it's that you are exhausted or you're just not in a place that you can handle that right now or yeah. you're trying to get better at not overcommitting yourself and, you know, things like that. So sometimes it's hard because we don't view those things as like legitimate reasons to not do something or not say something. Right. So. Well, that kind of goes back to the letting go of what doesn't serve and kind of, you know, allowing yourself to say, you know what, my mental health is not an, I am on the verge of a big meltdown over here right now. And even though I don't have anything to do, I can say, no, sorry, I can't do this today um, and be okay with that. 
Yeah, and just like learning a language, it's a lot of trial and error, and you're probably going to mess up and have to have patience with other people and patience with yourself. Also, like learning another language, uh, it's really helpful to find someone who's better at it than you are so that you can practice with them. Um, For me, that's my older sister. She is like a queen at putting boundaries up, but also like not being totally mean about it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the hard part, the, the really hard parts and where it gets really messy when you're learning how to do this is, you know, learning how to, to assert your own boundaries, but also extending that same uh, privilege to other people and, and learning, you know, what you didn't learn as a kid, how to have your own boundaries, but how to let other people have their, their boundaries too. Not, you know, it's really hard not to be a pusher sometimes. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that's a really good point. To find somebody that is further along in the journey than you are and be vulnerable with them, be open with them and let them teach you. Let them ask you the hard questions and, you know, imitate them. Make the sounds they make, you know, (laughs) like, yeah. So, um, so Thanks, Abby, for talking with me tonight. I know that it was kind of a <laughs> kind of inconvenient uh, day today, but this, you know, the last few weeks have been kind of crazy for all of us. So I appreciate your time. Um, Next time, I will just put a boundary up, Katie, and I'm just going to tell you that doesn't work for. No, I'm just totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it would be used on me. <laughs> you have to learn to respect other. No, I'm totally kidding. We're just yeah. podcasting with a one-year-old in the room. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the adventures of podcasting with kids. Okay, well, thanks everybody for listening, and uh, see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to Tending Lambs. There's always so much more that can be said. So if you'd like to continue the conversation, please join us in the Tending Lambs Facebook group. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash tendinglambs, Instagram at tendinglambs, and for show notes, our blog, and other gentle parenting resources, check out tendinglambs.com. If you're a fan of this podcast and would like to help us continue creating content, we now have a Patreon. We'd love it if you would consider supporting us through that platform. As a patron, you'll be supporting the podcast, blog, and entire Tending Lambs community. But not only that, you'll receive lots of fun perks as well. Sign up to support us at patreon.com slash tendinglambs. And as always, until next time. <laughs>